And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Strategy in the Virtual Controller, um, where we're talking about how to help accountants and bookkeepers be very intentional about the business that they're growing uh, and the clients that they're working with and, and the types of services that they're providing to their clients. It's really easy for accountants and bookkeepers to fall into the trap of same as last year, uh, but we know accountants and bookkeepers can play a incredibly valuable role uh, in the success of small business, um, but it's uh, but it does take intention. It does take um, a, a real clear and intentional direction, uh, and that's what we're all focused on is sharing our experiences and our insights of working with hundreds of firms uh, across the country and across the world to help them develop their back office processes, their client experience, client onboarding, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So my name's Damien Greathead uh, and my co-host uh, is Penny Breslin. Penny, how are you today? I'm doing fine, Damien. Tax season is over. Tax season is over. And how was tax season? Um, good, bad, and ugly. Yep, uh, as always. As always, but the good clients made it. I'll tell you what, uh, the last uh, week there have been so many messages posted into the Slack channels that we have with each of our clients. Uh, you know, it got just, it, it was good. It was good. It was good to, to see them get the kudos that these ladies deserve for their hard work. I mean, they came in on holidays, their holidays. They came in late at night. They stayed, they worked overtime. They, they did everything anybody in the United States would do. Uh, but as Ginger Rogers said, backwards and in, well, heels with sandals and <laughs> 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 <In> salaries. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they, it was, it was, that part was good when we finally got through it. Um, the, uh, some of our clients are so well organized mm. and, you know, it's, they make us such a part of their team and it, it, it those, they're the best. They're just the best. And I think that's really the difference between those clients that, um, I don't want to say the, the good clients and, and the challenging clients is that those good clients see you and, and the team in, in India, in Chennai as a part of your team, um, that, that as an extension of their team. Um, well, they not only see us as an extension of the team, they see their whole company, customers and technology included, as part of their team. Yeah, the yeah. Just the people. Whereas I think some of the other firms that have sort of that that are more challenging, they probably compartmentalize much more. Um, much more specifically and, 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 and sort of maybe push work to you at last minute, maybe don't oh, sort yeah. of give you all the information oh, and, yeah. and just sort of don't really see you, see you as a, as an outsourcer rather than as a, rather than as a team member. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, it just, they, uh, they cause like with my broken foot, I caused this myself. <laughs> I did this to myself. I caused this. Sometimes you cause your own problems. Yeah, and um, and I think that's an important part. Is if if you you're coming out of tax season and hopefully you're enjoying a bit of recovery time. And <laughs> Penny's got a bit of recovery time as well with her foot in a boot. Um, but uh, and thinking about uh, outsourcing as a as a solution or a possibility to help you on the capacity side to help you better service your clients 
make sure you're going into this as my outsourcing partner is is my partner is an extension of my team. It, it's not a it's not a an afterthought, um, and uh, hopefully something that'll save us at the last minute. It's very much a, a strategic decision to extend the capabilities of your team and the capacity of your team by 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 expanding your team. Um, and so, well, so we're not the only expansion. The expansion can be remote workers within your own continent or time zone, but yes. also your your customers are your team members, and also the technology, the technology, the adaptive. Uh, robotic processes and AI technology that really does do a good job when it's used and when it's used well. If you if you give it the respect that all of these parts of your team deserve, um, it really works. And and I you know I've I've had a lot of people in the last couple of months obviously come to me going you know. Can uh, do you know anybody I can hire to do this? Yeah. Do you have anybody who can do this? Do you know anybody who wants to take on a client for the bookkeeping? Well, I do the taxes and stuff. You know, and the thing is, it's maybe your next hire. And I've said this before: don't duplicate yourself. But I belong to this rather large group that I got involved with while I was working for a larger company that has nothing to do with counting per se, but does have to do with financial information, the scrapers. And they're building SaaS models. And so I got involved with this group and I'm part of their Slack group. And we they do lots of surveys with us. I get to test a lot of apps. Some of them have to do with accounting, but some of them don't. And um, they came back with this survey, which kind of made me feel good because it means that what I've been talking about is correct, which nice validation. Um, but onboarding for customer success and every, you know, everybody has a, a smartphone and on that smartphone, you have umpteen apps and how many of them do you ever go back and use mm. once you've downloaded it and how do you use it? And do you find out that when you meet somebody else and go, yeah, I've got that app and I do this with it. You know, wow, I didn't know it would do that. So they talk about how you have to make that first impression be so important. The first time a customer comes in and utilizes your service or your product, it has to be a pleasurable experience. And um you have to get them to adopt what it is that you want them to do. And, and go sorry, go on. No, you go ahead. I well, I, I was just going to say, and it's it's not Receipt Bank or Dext. It's not QBO. It's not Zero. It's it's not Ignition. It's you, your firm, and how you put all of these together. It, it's your product. It's your service. And how you use and how you use the tools to facilitate that product and service. And I think a lot of a lot of firms fall into that trap of well, I mean, there's probably there's probably lots of traps to, to fall into, but thinking that it's the, the it, it's the app, 
but but actually, in my mind, in my opinion, the most successful firms that have really good um, technology adoption across their client base and their team, they they focus on what they're delivering to the client and the tool, the app, is just facilitates the flow of information. Um, so it's it, it's not the app; it's actually the firm and the product and the service that is is what they're talking about. They're talking about my firm doing this for me. My firm and and the 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 accounting firm has introduced me to to these things, and as a result of using them. I get this amazing experience from my accounting firm, from my bookkeeper, who's helping me grow my business, understand what I'm what I'm uh, trying to achieve, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think that's yeah, again a lot of people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of, of uh, and you get good referrals coming through the door, asking about that service, not receipt bank, not Dext, not Zero, not QBO. You and your yeah. business that happens to be people who are involved in accounting and bookkeeping. And so let's take a, a step back, Penny, because as we were sort of plan- and uh, set up this episode, um, because as we were talking about the planning, uh, and we did a previous episode recently on the after-tax season review and mm-hmm. taking some time to look at the technology, the processes, your clients. Um, a lot of consultants out there this time of year will <laughs> will be saying, you've got to go in and analyze your, your client base and you've got to get rid of the bottom 20% or you've got to get rid of those pain in the you-know-what um, you know clients. And Absolutely. I, I wholeheartedly agree that you've got to be able, you've got to be comfortable with this idea that not all clients are created equal and, and that it's okay to let some clients go. Um, but before you do, and particularly around those pain in the ass clients that, 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 that have that challenge, before you do do that, I, I would challenge that you make sure you hold a mirror and take a look in the mirror and just make sure that are they difficult clients because they are just really terrible, difficult people? Or is it because they haven't really been, use the term, onboarded correctly? They they haven't really been trained on, on using the apps. They haven't been trained on how to get information into the firm. They, but they've basically been doing same as last year for the last 15 years. And that's what's causing the frustration because they've been shown no other way. And so that's what I think today's episode we wanted to focus on is, is what does our own onboarding and client intake experience look like? Because if we can really deliver that first um, wow experience or really pleasant experience with your clients, that's going to, to take care of a whole host of challenges down the line, isn't it? Yeah, and I do think personally, and this is just my own personal opinion based on what little stuff I've done, um, have that onboarding person be the onboarding client success manager. You know, really good companies care and talk about customer success. Customer success goes two ways. Our customer was successful because we did this and our relationship with the customer is ongoing and renewing because it is a success. So we're successful, the customer is successful. The customer is successful because we allowed them to be successful. So think about somebody who is your 
onboarding agent, and also your customer success agent. And eventually, if you grow big enough, you might bifurcate that job. But And you might even be big enough that you could bifurcate it at this point. But remember, there's a constant need to touch. I'm going to go back to Star Trek again. And it's considered one of the best Star Trek shows. It's called Shirley. And I brought this up before that the higher the technology, the more use of robotic processes, the more things that will keep us separated as individuals, the more we need that touch and that care. And it's not saying that a bookkeeper or an accountant cannot be that empathetic, caring person. But you do, when you're doing the bookkeeping and you're doing the accounting, you get dragged into the numbers world. And having somebody there that is customer-facing, that is onboarding and customer success management, and that's their sole job. But you know what else? They're also your success manager. They're your team success manager. And it sounds kind of, you know, well, we won't do that here and we don't like that here. But I got to tell you, um, I, I just got an email from a client and it wasn't from him. It was his client success manager who emailed me and said, Penny, we're going to be changing banks. Is this going to be a problem for how we pay you? Do we need to do anything different? You know, and she was just so pleasant about it. And it was just so nice to know. Uh, I had a customer who the other day said, Penny, remember when you told me if I write a check, I need, I should tell you. what I'm going to tell you I'm going to write a check today, right now. And this is what it's for. And this is who it's going to. And, you know, I mean, it's like because I told her, I said, you can email that to me anytime. I'll pick it up. Don't worry. And I'll just I just shove it over to, to a task. But. If you have somebody who can touch that client and then be that onboarding, they bring them in, you've got your system, like you said, you've got all your apps, you got the apps that work for you, you've got the team that works for you, and then this onboarding success manager handles the customer before any work is done and says, sits down with them, whether it's virtual or face-to-face, doesn't matter, and says, I'm going to take you through our process. Hmm. And then they put it in their workflow. They're using the same workflow you're using. And they put in their workflow to follow up. I follow up. Have they done this? I log in. I check with the bookkeeper. Did this connection happen? Is it still running? Did you go back and look at it? So you need to measure every step of that onboarding process. And then you need to measure how if we're meeting our milestones. And then at the end of the year, tell me if that's a good client or not. Because real, realistically, you've trained them to be crappy clients. Yeah, and and the technology is all there to facilitate this whole this whole conversation. The the you can go to the the zero dashboard, you can go to the QBOA dashboard, you can see the last login, you can see whether you're not whether or not your clients, uh, new clients specifically, are are doing what you've told them to do, and and. And and it's it's one thing to log in together on day one, but have they logged in on day three? Because if they haven't logged in by day five, the penny has a, a penny. Sorry, a penny. Um, the the light bulb hasn't gone off. Something hasn't uh, hasn't struck, and, it, and it's easier to, to give them a value proposition and why they should. 
And exactly. so they do it for a couple of days and you don't pay attention to them. They're not getting the value back. Okay. So if you, if you, you go in there like, okay, we got a new firm that came to us and they said, well, we have a, we're, we're totally QBO. We got all these clients in QBO. And I told you, we, we looked at it and went, well, yeah, about 80% of the connections don't even work. <laughs> that hadn't been touched for three months. <laughs> nobody had touched this stuff since, yeah, for, for one quarter. Nobody had gone in and touched that stuff. And, and so could you tell me, if they hadn't looked at that, you know they haven't contacted that customer, but they build yeah. the customer every month because they got them on monthly because fa- somebody sold them this idea. Of, we can do this flat rate. That's the other thing, too, is when you have that customer constant touch, you realize that every customer is slightly different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've always said, you know, accounting is accounting, debits and debits and credits. And, but people are, are unique and people, especially small business owners, are very unique in how they spend their money and what they want that money to do for them, what they want that business to do for them is sometimes very unique. And so your platform can be, here's the technology, here's the starting point. The starting point is always good numbers. Can't do anything without those. But you have to have that and it has to be consistent and it has to be agreeable for everybody to easily do it. And that means your bookkeeper who doesn't have time to sit there with the client and and teach them how to download Teams because they're not used to it, or, or teach them how to do, deal with Zoom, or teach them how to uh, to use uh, Cashflow Frog, or teach them how to use Melio, or teach them how to use Relay, or even convince them to use a different bank. You know why should they? Show them the benefits. You know what you need that customer success person who is outside of the day-to-day numbers. And then that person needs to be in the meetings to provide you the feedback on what they're experiencing when they're contacting the customer on a regular basis. And and I know a lot of accountants will struggle with this idea of having a non-billable person sitting in that meeting. Oh, excuse me. Can I just swear right now? (laughs) Sure, go for it. (laughs) Fuck it. What damn well, it? The non-billable person. The non-bill. You know, one of the things is a a mindset. You know, they say this about cannabis. Set and setting. <laughs> People go, well, I'm afraid of the. You know what? If you're mellow, if you're chill, don't worry about it. You'll have a good time. But set and setting is everything. And if you come at it at the standpoint of, I am going to nickel and dime this to death. I'm going to have a billable person, and I'm going to, and nothing's going to happen unless I am tracking it. You know what? Unless unless I can make sure that I'm making money from that person, and you, the only way you value looking at the person, whether or not you you flat rate your customer, you're still thinking from the mindset of a billable hour. Then you know what? Put your head back in the sand, do another crappy, shitty tax season, and then pedal off into the distance, would you? Because somebody else is going to roll right over you. I swear. Wow. You know, you want to you want to run two hundred clients on a spreadsheet and then get pissed off. You want you you want you want to nickel and dime the people that work for you, and you want to nickel and dime the apps that are working for you. You should not be running a business. Period. 
Right. Well, not suitable for uh, not an NSF, NSFW uh, <laughs> alert. Probably a little bit late now. <laughs> Where's my quarter jar? You know, oh, story, it's overflowing, Patty. <laughs> it was that that whole thing. You have no idea how much I've had this discussion with somebody. And well, can I also make them a bookkeeper so they can do billable work? No, I mean, I mean, that, that, that's billable. You think your success of your customer and the, the success of the relationship you have with your customer doesn't have value? You should not be in a customer-facing business. Period. But I think the 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 way in which you think about it is, I, I th- you, one of the things you said there actually resonated with me, Penny. Where you sort of were looking at nickel and not looking at the individual person's individual person's time and and the individual's billable hour or the individual's time and, and trying to squeeze as much out of that person. But it, but it, it's it's actually more than that because it's. It's the cost of the service delivery that you've got to be thinking about, and it's it's not one individual person and and one in a six minute increment. It's it's actually what what is billable and what's the value is the combination again of the apps, the technology, your insights, getting the work done in a timely manner. So it's not one individual's six minutes it's the entire business operation which is where the value comes and and that's really what we've got to be thinking about and something you also said a little bit earlier was not to say that accountants and bookkeepers don't have the empathy to do this training to do this onboarding to to, to sit side by side with the clients it's because where they had it, it's it, it's not to say that they don't have empathy i, I think bookkeepers and accountants have empathy oh, in spades yeah. I, I, but but I think it's where where does the bookkeeper and accountant add the most value to the relationship? It's it's in the insight. It's in the looking for anomalies. It's in the uh, understanding the client's business. Understanding so the way that- and knowing how the numbers and the way they look, how they can change and affect people. At the end of the day, that's what they're good at. But I'm also, gonna- it's not just the numbers. It's it's this no, experience it's of working with the firm. It is all of that has to be not just the numbers, but the numbers are important. And the people that deal with the numbers really get locked into that. And when you pull them out of that to go, go teach, the client didn't log in and, and connect their bank account. Could you just call them and tell them? You know, it's just not in their mindset. You're asking them to, and, 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 it, and it's a crisis thing. It's a, and it always, it's, it's like a, it's like a jolt. It's, it's like really having a bad ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes on constantly. Um, it, and it, it's not conducive to that person who's working on the numbers to have to have that jolt coming in constantly. Now, somebody- yeah, like if, if, you're, if you're working hard on, on looking for anomalies, some cash flow forecasting, um, trend analysis over the last three months, trying to identify things to talk to the clients about, about how to help them grow or, or make sure they've got enough enough cash in the bank for payroll, et cetera. The last thing you want to be doing is answering an email about, I forgot my password or how do I log into this? And, and that's having to call somebody because they haven't done it. Because they haven't done it. And, and so, and, and, and that, and if, if somebody's not watching it week in, week out, three months will pass. And now you've got just a, a a whole bunch of shit that you've got to clean up um and, yeah. and 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 go back to the clients 
and get them to 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 reconnect and and then all of a sudden the client's like hang on this says the connection broke in in February of this year. It's now yeah, April so of this year. Yeah. <laughs> but you've been Billy before. So yeah, it's, 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 it's a cycle. It's a cycle. A vicious you know, cycle. Maurice Perdugo at LedgerSync, he has a great line. And uh, he's like, he goes, he goes, would you buy an automobile and never change the oil, never check the tires, never do any maintenance on it? Why do you think that when you use an app, that you're not going to have to have maintenance, that you're not going to have to have somebody managing the app. Because so funnily the app enough, has Penny, a cloud I, and affect multiple ledgers and multiple cloud browsers and, you know. But, but really interesting analogy. You said, would you buy a car and not think about the, the um, a service, not thinking about it, an oil change? Absolutely. I would buy a car and not think about that because I'm not a, a mechanic. I'm not a car person. But I get a call from the car company from 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 Kia every three months to remind me to come in to do X, Y, and Z. And then I, I oh, come in. And- months, man. I, I, that was my job to make sure all the cars <laughs> So no no no, but this day and age, and and so if if that's what if that's the level of service that my car cut the the yeah, the, exactly. the, the Kia my is providing, can remind me that I need to do this stuff. Yeah, it's okay if my accountant does. One of the things I wanted to bring up because I know that we're running on time, but there was on that survey that this they they gave us uh, the SAS group. I mean, there yep. were thousands of people that filled out this survey. And these were all people who worked in SaaS, in SaaS companies. Is that two thirds of consumers leave you, whether it's your service, your app, or your product, because of poor customer service. Oh, absolutely. And that shows you how important clear communication and support is during the post yep. close stage. It's very rarely price. Because you've made you you've made the buying decision. You've purchased. You've already purchased it. But did you give me what I thought you'd I have this other friend Deborah who's a you know I've spoken about Deborah before. She you know I live in Encinitas yoga capital. She's a spiritual therapist. But she always says when when somebody is is saying something to her that's very uh, difficult or confrontational, she'll she'll stand back and she'll go. Now this is what I heard you say, and she'll repeat it back to them. And there'll be times when I'll I've watched it and I've done it with her. I go, that's not what I said. <laughs> no, I didn't say that's what you said. I said this is what I heard you say. Now. Can we say that again? So that's another thing that happens is when you have that customer support and communication is there's an opportunity to hear things again and maybe interpret them. And then you always have to tell the customer, this is what I heard you say you wanted, right? I detail it out in my contracts. I heard you say you wanted this. Mm-hmm. And somebody has to follow up with that because you went on and you went and did tax return. You went on and you did somebody's books. Closed deal. They're a customer. Here, go ahead and get them signed up. Get them get get access to their accounting program. 
make sure that you heard what they said they wanted and reiterate it back to them. And you have to have somebody there to then follow up who also is aware of what it is the customer wants. And invariably, they're, they're not looking that 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 they're going to get a tax return or they're going to get the bookkeeping. But that's not what they actually want. But I yeah. think as well, but but also, Penny, what you said there was actually put it back to them in your, as you said, you put it back to them in your engagements in your proposals. Um, and I think for the most part, most practitioners sort of lob a proposal over, send it via email, and 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 then hope that the client will sign it, versus actually sitting down and sort of going through and saying we built this proposal because this is what I heard you wanted. So, mm-hmm. be, and, and let's make sure that we are crystal clear on that before we move forward to make sure I heard correctly. Um, and if not, then we have an opportunity to fix it. I did one the other day, uh, which was a conversion. Uh, and um, I wrote it back to them and they came back to me and said, but you didn't tell us what you were going to do. So obviously they didn't, see the way I wrote it in a proper way. So I rewrote it and they went, Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Mm. It's like, you know, when you get a little kid and you're teaching the kids something and, and you, you read them a story and they don't understand it, but if they read the story, they do. Or if you give them the story in pictures, they do. Or maybe uh, if they, they, they're tactical and they have to touch, they have to touch the book while you're reading it to them or while they're reading it themselves. Everybody learns differently. Everybody absorbs differently, and everybody hears differently the same sentence. And 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 I also think you go back to that statement of of um, two thirds people leave because of poor customer service. I don't think we need to equate customer service with having the answers all the time either. Yeah. I, th- I think it's I think customer service is letting you know, letting your client know that you've heard them, letting yes. them know that you've that they've got a question. Um, a concern, um, and then saying, "Well, th- thanks, Penny. I uh, got your message. Um, I don't have an answer for you. I've carved out some time on Friday to 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 give it some more thought, to do some more research. Let me um, give you a call on Monday with uh, with a game plan. That's customer service. I don't need to give Penny you the answer immediately because." More often than not, it's going to require a little bit of time to think about it. And, and actually, it's a nice way in which you can triage the situation um, and, and, uh, and also demonstrate that it's never a quick answer or never a quick question. But, but that's, a, that's, that's customer service to manage the client's expectations, to let them know that you're thinking about it, let them know that you're, you're working on something at the moment, but you will then give them appropriate due course. The other thing that, you know, I... I Bank feeds is a, is a really interesting one, and, and bank feeds break. Um, but what we've but but what we've seen is customers don't mind aren't phased by bank feeds breaking if we alert them early, and if we alert them to say, "Hey, I noticed that the bank feed broke. Maybe the client changed their their login details, two factor authentication issue. Can you chase up with the client um, today?" Put that in the engagement letter. That yeah. this, these things will happen, and here are the reasons we see it happening. And I always put the customer making a change being the last reason. Put it put it on on the bank or the app first. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but but the, but the the, the 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 client and and the actually the accounting firm all trust will be lost if if the 
if the bank feed goes um, disconnected or broken for three weeks, six weeks, 12 weeks, and the work doesn't get done. Whereas if it's sort of a case of saw this, we need to get it fixed. We don't, we need to get it fixed. Again, this is the, the, the type of customer service that we need to be thinking about. We've identified a problem and we're working to fix it. But that person is worth their weight in gold. If they keep, customers because the the cost of customer acquisition is huge absolutely i don't think and accounting firms are marketing marketing or selling into them just getting them started yep. and onboarding them do you remember when we did that little test in santa monica and now granted the people in the room that's 99 people in the room were um uh, all partners or owners partner owners and they were deer in the headlights when i asked them Write down your onboarding process for a new customer or a new client. Just give write it down. And how many blank pieces of paper do we have? Oh, I think blank pieces of paper or just one line, get last year's tax return. And, and, and that, that was it. That was one. One, one guy actually wrote that. Get last year's tax return. I did and not and every one of them thought, well, I don't know, but I'm sh-. and and one guy said, well, yeah, I don't because I confronted him because he was like in my face about it. And I walked over to the table and I went, tell me, who knows? He goes, well, I don't need to know. I'm sure somebody in my office knows that. And I said, <laughs> that's how you run a company. Damn, how long are you going to be in business? <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. And and Penny, maybe that's that's sort of a nice segue for or where we pause today's episode yeah. with the idea of we've spoken about the importance of this client intake process. And hopefully we've given um, listeners sort of really good examples as to why we need to have an onboarding process or a client intake process. Maybe on our next episode, we actually list through um, some of the area or, or just the, the, the 10 first things um, associated with the client intake process and, and, and talk about that client experience and provide some practical examples of what practitioners or, or what firm owners uh, can do um, to make that experience better for new clients or for, for new clients coming into the firm or, or clients coming onto new services. How does that sound? Yeah, yeah. I've got like a template um, that yeah. I use. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, we can we can discuss that I because I think because I because I, I think what we'll what we'll quickly show listeners is that it is it's a full time job, um, yes. and it's a full time job not only bringing clients in but also maintaining the relationship. Yeah, 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 maintaining. So so yeah. and 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 talk more about what is customer success and sort of as you are listening to this episode. I hope you're thinking about the four or five different customer success managers that you have uh, from your um, from your tech companies and think about what their role is and start to think about, okay, what can I learn from my tech partners that I can then put into my service and my products for my customers? And look at um, how they contact you and look at yeah. how they write their emails because I'll tell you something. They've got they've got a lot of algorithms telling them exactly how to do that. And the regularity um, of, of, of how, how often they're communicating with you. I think you know I think that's the other thing. I always say don't get angry at it. 
copy. Yeah, yeah. What can we learn from them? What can we take from them? And and it's sort of this interesting thing that you and I we talk about on we can talk about onboarding in our sleep because that's what we've done for so long. Whereas um, uh, th- there's a lot that accounting firms can learn from from SaaS companies that are trying to get their customers to change their behavior, to use technology differently. And so I think accounting firms can learn a lot uh, from- if you're, if you're not somebody who likes to do that stuff and you like to hang out in the box of accounting, that person will drive that box and fill it up for you. So you can be happy every day with your box. And yeah, and, and maybe that's yeah. Again, I think we can keep going here because, um, but we'll yeah, we'll, we'll stop. Yeah, <laughs> but 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 the other thing also is think about where do you add most value to the client relationship, and and it's probably not in the in the the passwords, the training, the responding to the the day to day the client. Where you add most value is probably in the in that in in one of those quadrants that we've talked about previously yeah, maybe as yeah but there's there might be somebody already on your team that is perfect for this or or it's um there's there's somebody out there where they add real value is maintaining that client relationship and um they as you said are worth their weight in gold penny um you're you're heading to accounting web summit in san diego in may yeah the accounting web summit in San Diego the second week of May, uh, which sounds like it's going to be pretty interesting. I have Good. quite a few clients showing up there, so that's kind of cool. And you're, um, going you're to also, I've, I've got, I've got accounting business expo, um, and then we've got get connected in Sydney, um, so that's really exciting in in May. Um, oh, and then, some of them are coming over this summer for a couple of conferences. Yeah, AICPA, so you'll be at AICPA Engage. Yeah. So. Awesome. So if you are a listener, come up and say hello <laughs> and let us know, uh, let us know your, your thoughts on the podcast. And also if, if there's any challenges in, in your firm that you think you can, that we, we might be able to help with, just um, drop us a line, find us on LinkedIn and uh, come up and say hello to us um, out on the road. Looking forward to seeing yeah. people. And if I uh, offended anybody, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to call a glass of wine. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy that glass of wine, Penny, and we'll see you next week. All right. Bye-bye.